we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Is it time to change your approach and switch to Air Supra, Albuterol Budesonide? Now you can virtually connect with a doctor to discuss your options and see if it's time to make a change. If appropriate, you may even be able to get a prescription for Air Supra the same day. Talk to a doctor today and see if Air Supra is right for you. Visit airsupraconnect.com to connect with a provider. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, We have many episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Okay, so uh, it's another Books of the Year uh, podcast. Thank you for downloading. Anthony Horowitz is here. The Twist of a Knife is his new uh, crime thriller. And uh, you can find that conversation um, uh, where you got this podcast. You probably listened to that one before you got to this one. Uh, Anthony Horowitz, CBE, I should say, uh, of course. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's acknowledge that. Did you, get, did you get your CBE from the Queen or who, who gave you that, Anthony? I haven't had it yet, unfortunately. I, I haven't had it given to me yet. That is, I'm having it. Uh, I'm going to Windsor Castle in November, and I don't know who. I don't think you're oh. told until you arrive. Yes, you 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 can't choose. It's not one of those <laughs> choose from a menu I of options. I don't option. think you can say. Oh no, I don't think you can. Uh... It's got to be the king, or I'm not taking it. <laughs> so uh, here comes here comes the uh, the Q and A then for Anthony Horowitz. The question one is the only one I think that stays exactly the same. Anthony, what was the last book that you really really enjoyed? Um, it would have probably been Don Winslow, City on Fire, which I oh. really loved. I, I'm a big fan of Don Winslow. Uh, he's a great thriller writer. I'm a new one, uh, which is sort of based on Greek mythology, is, is terrific. Can you just explain a little bit more about that? Why are you a Don Winslow fan and what was it about this book that made you 
think it was so good. Um, what Don Winslow does so well is character. He is absolutely brilliant at character. And this is about the sort of longshoremen working on the east coast of America. And it's about a woman who arrives and, and uh, causes uh, violence and passion to, to, uh, 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 to escalate amongst his community. And it's about a sense of no escape. The main character, whose name I'm now going to forget, is sort of trapped inside this and has to take action to try and to sort everything out, uh, but at the expense of his own life and, and his own uh, family. And it's a, what I think Don uh, does so well is he um, he's very concise, very terse, quite violent and hyper-realistic. You totally believe the world that he creates. Um, Anthony, is there an idea in a book that you wish you'd come up with? And that can be anything. It could be a character. It could be a location. It could be a plot line. Anything at all. Is, is there something that you've read and thought, wow, that's so good. I wish, I'd, I wish that were mine. I'm always nervous of reading crime thrillers and murder mysteries because they often come up with ideas that I wish I'd used. And Ira Levin wrote a book called A Kiss Before Dying, which has an absolutely wonderful clue in it. Um, I'm not sure if I should give it away on air because because then it will spoil it. Um, but it involves the character having four peculiar objects on their person which point to the truth of what has happened. But you have to connect those four objects by understanding why they are in this character's pockets. Uh, and it's just so brilliant. And I wish that I hadn't read the book because if I'd come up with that idea, I'd have used it myself. But I can't because now someone else has. I seem to remember Ira Levin referenced in in your latest book, Anthony. Mm, yeah, it might well be that I actually mention Ira Levin in it because he's one of my you know writers that I most admire. One of the few writers in Stanley who has actually managed to do a murder mystery on the stage, Death Trap, um, that, that works. Uh, right. Next question: Do you work best with deadlines? I do need deadlines. I have to say, I've I've managed to get to to the this point in my career without ever having broken a deadline. I've never late. Uh, unlike some writers who I won't mention, I wouldn't want to offend my friend Kate Moss, for example, uh, by talking about writers who miss their deadlines. Uh, but um, uh, yes, they do concentrate the mind. They focus me down and get me writing, you know, with more discipline. Are there any um, books that stand out from your childhood, Anthony? Sometimes this gives us a bit of an insight into the writers. I mean, sometimes not. Sometimes the books have absolutely nothing to do with what they go on to, to, to write. But are there any that stand out from your childhood? Well, I've often talked about Tintin as being a huge influence on me and my writing uh, and sort of the beginning of it all, the sort of the adventure, the escape. Tintin is a writer. I love the secret passages in those books and I've been looking for secret passages all my life to go down. Uh, but I, there's also Willard Price, a writer I read when I was very young. He wrote uh, books always with the word adventure in the title, lion adventure, shark adventure, jungle adventure, etc. And those were a huge influence on me as well. And another book, which is, which is a very significant book to me, not quite childhood, but late teens. I read a book called um, The Go-Between by L.P. Hartley, and um, that was the bridge that led me into the realisation that books could do more than entertain. They could move you. They could make you feel um, sad and, 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 and make you think about life. So The Go-Between was, was a very formative book for me. I read those Willard Price books. That was the first series that I ever got into. I, uh, and I started buying them again recently because they've been republished. And I don't think they've, uh, you know, there's elements about, you know, two brothers going around the world taking animals and putting them in their dad's zoo, which probably wouldn't 
<laughs> work very well in a, in in a current in a current milieu. Well, they were they were um they were um conserving animals rather than killing them. At least I agree with you that that a modern audience might find them. You know, I personally have actually have a very strong dislike of zoos. Uh, I used to walk past our London Zoo every day, and there were two camels that sat in this little enclosure. And they, every single day, these camels woke up and looked at each other. And I even thought I could write about them, of what they, had, what conversation they must have every day. Uh, and that single tiger in the next uh, enclosure was sort of padded around helplessly. I really, really don't like zoos. But then there are good arguments, I suppose, for having zoos. And there's a good argument for reading Willard Price because he's such a good writer. Yes. A short chapters versus long chapters. What do you say? Discuss. Wow. Um, with the Alex Ryder books, I try every chapter should fall between five and seven pages. And I try to aim for that. I don't like chapters shorter than five pages. John pa- James Patterson is a writer I like very much, but sometimes his chapters can be one, two, three pages. And for me, that's too brief. It's a snapshot, not a sort of a, an indulgence, not a sort of an, in, not in a, not a, an immersion. So for me, five, six, seven is about right. Sometimes when I'm writing uh, my murder mysteries, I'll run to about eight or nine pages, maybe. Incidentally, I'm talking A4 um, typewritten rather than in a, in a, a book. But uh, I suppose I'm in the middle where it comes to that. So so not, not, not massively long, because then you get sort of, you know, I'm also when I'm reading at night in bed, I quite like it if I can get to the end of a chapter, which if it's got 30 or 40 right. pages, it's less, less possible. Do you have a um, favourite TV or film adaptation of a book, Anthony? And I, I should say, just as a, an addendum to this, we have had writers come on and pick their own work. So it's absolutely fine if you choose to pick one of your own here. But is, is, there, is there one that stands out for you? Well, I would guess I would, I would go with uh, Peter Jackson and The Lord of the Rings uh, as being a really, really masterly um, uh, adaptation of a of a book. Curiously, I, the Hobbit I would say is one of the worst. Uh, isn't isn't that strange? Uh, I didn't like the Hobbit at all because it took a small book and tried to make something huge out of it. Uh, still brilliantly filmed incidentally, but I but I, I enjoyed it much less. The Lord of the Rings though was what was so extraordinary about it was when you read a book you visualize it. You you don't just construct the words. You actually see it too. It's something I always think about in my own writing that people who read my work won't just hear Hawthorne, they'll, they'll see him and they'll see me, they'll see the world in which, I, which I'm describing. Um, and what Jackson did so brilliantly was, and I think it was true for almost everybody who loves The Lord of the Rings, was he absolutely captured the visual world, the, 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 what we had always seen. It was just there on the screen for us. So that, that's what I would probably choose. Uh, Anthony, how many books, obviously this is going to be a loose approximation or maybe just an average, how many books do you read a month? It's tricky to answer that because it depends how much I'm writing. And, and writing, unfortunately, does get in the way of my reading. So I would say I probably read about three books for pleasure a month. But at the same time, I am dabbling in another dozen, which are to do with research. And you know, if I'm writing a James Bond novel, for example, then I'll have 12 books on my desk, which I'm having to research, you know, whether it's motor racing or, or I don't know, tailored you know, clothes or what Nice was like in 1950, depending on the book. So, so I surround myself with books. I dabble in books. But for pure pleasure, um, I probably about three. Finally, from me, Anthony, um, if you could go back to university, is there a subject you'd love to study? If you were to have your time again, as it were, is there something you'd, you'd love to, to, to go back and study? Well, I studied art 
uh, uh, English literature and art history at the University of York and spent rather too much time doing drama and putting on plays and writing plays and uh, and, and having a, a, a good time. I, I rather regress in a way in my university years. So if I could go back, maybe I would like to have studied drama uh, rather than literature because I've always had this love of theatre and maybe if I'd read more plays and been more immersed in you know, in, in acting, directing, producing, and all the rest of it, I'd have had more success with my theatre, and the book that we started talking about in this very enjoyable podcast would not need it, would never have been written, because I wouldn't have had the bad reviews. <laughs> there you go. Well, in a way, we're quite pleased that it hasn't, that you didn't do that, because we have ended up with this wonderful uh, book, and as I said in the other uh, companion podcast, it is a delicious book to be enjoyed uh, you can relish it, uh, relish each chapter, each medium-sized chapter, each five <laughs> to seven pages long, with with a fantastic denouement and the wonderful acknowledgements at the end. Uh, Anthony Horowitz, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to, sport, to speak to you again, sir. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Matt. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.